The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform and promises to become the next frontier for human experiences on the internet. Into the Metaverse covers companies, technologies, and trends that are bringing this promise to life. Join thought leaders Matthew Canterman, CFA, formerly a senior analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, and Jonathan Raz Friedman, founder and CEO of SuperSocial, as they interview the brilliant minds building, shaping, and investing in the Metaverse. Welcome to episode six of season two of Into the Metaverse. This is going to be yet another terrific conversation. Today, we're focusing on all things Unity and real-time 3D software with Mark Witten, the senior VP of Create at Unity. For our listeners who are less familiar, Unity provides creative tools to support game developers of all sizes, from indies to growing studios to large enterprises. More than 5 billion monthly downloads of apps are made with Unity, over 50% of all games are made with Unity, and 3.9 billion monthly users of Unity-based content are out there. And alongside of that, their games run on over 20 different platforms. And alongside games, which is the core of the create business, they're expanding into other verticals as well, like automotive and other industrial services. And we'll get into that and how that ties into the metaverse. Uh, Mark himself was previously the VP of Entertainment Devices and Services at Amazon, the Chief Product Officer at Sonos, and the Corporate VP and Chief Product Officer of Xbox at Microsoft. That is a wordful, and there's a lot there. Welcome, Mark. Really great to be here. Thank you. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to, to join you today. So before we dive in, we just have a short announcement from our friends at Roundhill Investments. This podcast is brought to you by Roundhill Investments, the advisor to the Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF. The Roundhill Ball Metaverse ETF, which trades on the New York Stock Exchange under the ticker symbol METV, is the largest dedicated metaverse fund in the United States. The ETF tracks an index developed by Ball Metaverse Research Partners, a metaverse-focused indexing and research company headed by industry expert Matthew Ball. For a prospectus and more information, please visit roundhillinvestments.com slash ETF slash METV. Read carefully. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses carefully before investing. Distributor Foresight Fund Services, LLC. So great, Mark. Diving right into it, our favorite first question that we like to ask all of our guests. It's it's actually been really helpful to kind of build the consensus from the people building the metaverse and the technologies powering the metaverse by asking this question, what is the metaverse to you, to Unity? And alongside that, you know, I think it's also important to ask, what is the metaverse not? Yeah, uh, great question. Obviously, I have my joke answers. I like to say that I ordered a metaverse flavored latte at Starbucks yesterday because it's kind of the words you use to fill value in. Uh, but uh, I'm actually going to start at something a little high level. It may make you roll your eyes a little bit, but then I'll bring it down from there. Um, I really think the metaverse is a tag for the next evolution of technology that helps people live more fulfilled lives. Uh, and I mean it as big and as sort of uh, kind of focused on the value that people get out of it as that. Um, and the reason I say that is, for me, it's the next level of the internet, and the internet, for all of its problems, has given extraordinary opportunity uh, for people to build things for themselves and experience things for themselves. And I, and I don't just mean like big mega companies. I mean people in their basement, in their you know kitchen, building new businesses, connecting with people, doing things that they never could have done uh, before. Um, so now there's this really huge push for the next set of tools that 
gives you that ability, right? To build, to experience differently. And if you went back and read uh, our S1, the Unity S1, when we were getting ready to IPO, uh, which I'm sure everybody reads in their spare time, uh, you would have heard us talking about this. We would have used this word real-time 3D. Um, if you're serious in an industrial setting today and you want to make sure you're focused on crisp value, you might be talking about like some word like digital twin. Um, if you've been working with these tools for a lot, long time, you might you might talk about it as game tech games, you know, all of those sorts of things. And if you're invested in a simple way that gets lots of people excited about the concept, you'd be using words like the metaverse. They're all like the Venn diagram of the same concept. And I honestly don't think it's that important what we call it. It's more important that we start building it. Um, and I could talk about what I think is it that that's sort of inside of that. But at the highest level, that's what I think it is. I think you touched on a, a, some really important key things there and some things that, you know, we've talked about in previous episodes. We like to kind of call back where we can for our listeners. You know, you talked about what, what Yon likes to say is for him, the metaverse is the next iteration of human social expression in the digital world. Um, that's why he started Super Super Social and unfortunately couldn't be here today. Uh, but, you know, you know, I, I know that he would have, you know, lit up when you saying that because I, 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 that's why he's so passionate about this. And that's why he started a company focused on the metaverse, you know, the, the next iteration of human social expression. You also talked about real time 3D everywhere. You know, in our season one, we talked with Mark Petit, who's, you know, uh, at, at Epic Games, you know, he's kind of in the same role as you are at Epic on the Unreal Engine side and exactly the same thing. What it's really at at its core is bringing real time 3D everywhere. We talked with Rev Liberadian from NVIDIA as well from Omniverse about the same thing about how do we democratize real time 3D and take it just from realistically just games and then some industrial use cases to a much more broad use case and put it pretty much everywhere inside the internet and evolve technology in the internet to be much more immersive and real-time 3d powered and i think those are things that you hit on and i think those are things that you know we've heard a lot from which is encouraging for building this consensus around the metaverse yeah no totally right and i agree i, I heard all of those uh versions of it and i i love that there's like that level of kind of people seeing it as broadly as that I would say, by the way, I think it's broader than just um, the way we interact socially. There's lots of ways that the metaverse will be important, even when it's just you. Uh, part of that comes from this concept of what does it mean when you mix in real-time 3D? You know, for me, that there's obviously this concept of visualizing in 3D that's that's interesting, but there's this there's this added level of um, contextual awareness like understanding the physics of something, understanding like how those things connect uh, to, to the real world. Um, I was I was thinking about, uh, you know, all these amazing things we're seeing with like Dolly, uh, you know, where you can sort of imagine something and have some um, potentially 3D looking thing come out of it. And we still have a long way to go for what that's right. Because if you said something and imagine you said something that caused there to be a, a, a computer instantiated on a desk, a really a really big desk. Well, there's also this idea that like, you know you could pick up the computer, but you can't pick up the desk. And sort of like that ability to sort of have it work the way that it would in the real world when that's right. And when it's not right, when the, when the right idea is to sort of bend the laws of physics to still allow people to connect with that uh, in real ways. It's really, really important to add more of this just context into how people can build an experience. I think, I think that's, you know, a super powerful concept on its own, you know, just because there's some things that we want to be realistic and then there's Fortnite, which, or, or any game built on unity where it's like, 
all right, well, I want to be able to like throw a ladder across the room, you know, with at a hundred miles an hour, you know, and, yeah. you know, so. <laughs> but, but it comes from the idea that like the, the simulation itself understands how you expect things to work so that it can then bridge to here's how it's going to work in this like magical world where the, the, the rules are different, uh, but that still has a start from a kind of place of common understanding so that, you know, actually what's really frustrating in games forever is you go up to something and it should work, but it doesn't like, you know, the door isn't a real door because it's actually just there for art or something like that. Like that's where the, the rules have failed us. And as we get more and more into this really, really rich, you know, idea of the metaverse, more of those things will go away. They'll work the way they're supposed to, or you'll understand how they're supposed to work in this particular environment because the tools allow that expressivity. Yeah, that, that's for me, that's like one of the most frustrating things playing games. Cause I'm the kind of person when I play an RPG, I want to do all the side quests. I so I go that. to every single door. Does that one open? Does that one? Yeah. Um, but you know, so, so, you know, along with our standard first question that we like to ask everyone in season two, we've been kind of, you know, uh, laying in a, a part two to that question. You know, there's a lot of people for, for their definition of the metaverse, it has to be, it doesn't have to be, but it includes web three technologies, blockchain, NFT, crypto, everything within that. Um, I know that Unity, and I think it was two earnings calls ago, so the fourth quarter earnings call, the management team talked about, you know, Unity was was uh, uh, powering most of the NFT games on the market today at the time. I think that still holds true, you know, as, as we sit here today. But, you know, just your thoughts on how these technologies fit into the definition of the metaverse and, and why is Unity such a good partner for, for people trying to build experiences in virtual worlds with these technologies? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd say is I take a pretty expansive view of like terms like the metaverse. And I don't like if it says it has to require X, it has to be one place or it has to be in VR or it has to be Web3. I think you're being uh, probably um, myopic for how big the concept is, because all of those things will exist and, all, and lots of them will exist that don't have those points. So I don't know that Web3 is necessary, uh, but it will exist in a lot of these and you're seeing a ton of energy around them. Um, the key thing with Unity, uh, you sort of started it with uh, at the beginning, is um, Unity makes it really easy to create experiences and get them on billions of devices in front of billions of users uh, around the world. And so you can get to the creation of what's your idea for this thing that you're wanting to create versus, hey, I wonder what type of devices someone in Brazil might want to use this on or someone in um, Asia might want to use this on or et cetera. Um, so whenever there's something new, typically Unity ends up being one of the first sets of tools that people pick up to start exploring inside of that space. We saw it in mobile, we've seen it in um, VR, we've seen it in AR, we definitely are seeing it with things like Web3 as well. And that really comes up with something else, which to me is uh, honestly the most magical part of Unity, um, which is the community of people that work in and on Unity. We have, um, because it's, you know, Unity in, at some level is a, a ecosystem of tools, both our solution and then other solutions that people add. So you get started on Unity and then you find that there's this piece in the asset store that lets you plug in something, or there's this, this project that's going on externally that you can use to plug into it because there's already so many people already working in it. And certainly we've seen the same thing here as people build on tools that let you build, you know, whether it's NFTs or, you know, integrating wallets or just ways to build spaces that you can sort of showcase in these types of experiences. 
I think, I think that's a fantastic answer. And, you know, I think you, you summed it up nicely and I, and I totally agree with the, the point you made in the beginning that, you know, just these, these enabling technologies, none of them by themselves are the metaverse. The metaverse is, is, is a platform. It's not a technology. And so none of them by themselves, you mentioned VR, you know, I think when we started the podcast, it was right as the hype, you know, right when the rumors were starting that Facebook was going to change its name to meta and everyone was like, okay, so metaverse is VR because it's Oculus. And we did a lot of walking people off that cliff and, you know, taking, I mean, yes, VR will play a role in the metaverse. So will AR, so will web three, but none of them by themselves. And, and so I'm fully aligned with you there. You know, one of the things that, you know, kind of within that answer and the prior answer as well, you talked about was, you know, it's something that, we're also passionate about, and I mentioned we talked to Rev about it a lot, was democratizing real-time 3D. Mm-hmm. You know, I think exiting 2021 from from your annual, from your 10K, and yes, I did read the S1 multiple <laughs> times over and the 10K, I think the number was roughly 1.6 million active creators on the Unity platform. And, you know, one of the things that I think excites me and excites Yon and a lot of people about the metaverse is, is really taking that creator economy and turbocharging it and, and putting the power of real-time 3D into not just, you know, high level game developers and people that are really experienced with coding and software, but, you know, making it accessible to, to tens, if not hundreds of times more people than it is currently today. You know, uh, how do you think about, you know, making it easier for, uh, you know, the average creator to, to work with Unity tools as opposed to it being more of a higher level, uh, you know, a, a much more complex tool that, that really does require a lot more expertise as it does today? I, oh my gosh, this is like, this is so center to like where I spend a lot of my time and I have like 15 different things that I think we could talk about in this space because it's so really important and it actually hits on lots of different parts of what needs to continue to evolve to really drive true democratization. Um, you know, obviously there's the, hey, let's just make everything easier and, you know, let's go after no code tools and sort in and, and, and those sorts of elements and that's really important for us. It's also really important that we talk about interoperability and how um, just it's easy to sort of pull things across and it might be worth just talking about that in, in, a, in a second. But I actually wanna go back uh, and start answering that by why we bought uh, at Unity uh, uh, Weta. And because it's really, really tied into this particular um, problem. Um, you know, Weta is obviously known for the highest of high-end um, tools, which allows professionals to create extraordinary creations um, for, you know, movies where, where they've been known for and sort of really push forward the art of the possible, uh, which is what they, they've always said about their, their particular tools. What has been clear to us is there's both the, the technical programming, hey, how do we go after no code and those sorts of elements? But then there's also how do you build content that's going to exist in these worlds? And especially when you think about the number of people who need to create content and be able to interact content with the number of people that need to be able to um, write code or logic or create experiences. It's definitely just like today, it's going to be more people need to need to write, need to be able to build content, uh, need to be able to interact with content and change content. Now, the interesting thing with that. Um, is, you know, when you think metaverse, you're often thinking about 3D. Um, I can tell you that even if you ask me to do 2D content creation, I'm pretty terrible. And 3D's a lot harder. Uh, in Unity, I, I've used Unity for years. I kind of come from an engineering background. And I like to joke that I make the uh, uh, spheres and cubes games because it's like it's either a standard object or I can't do it. 
because uh, that's the that's the all of my my personal art skills. So what we saw in Weta and the potential of Weta was tools that are focused on advanced sort of expression of intent through sort of procedural creation and AI sort of generation to get people where they need to be. So, you know, when Weta needs a forest, they don't draw a forest. They simulate the growth of a forest over a thousand years. And once it's to that level, they then do a whole bunch of really advanced processing to get it down to the minimum amount of content that would sort of still look like that particular one. And then there's like, hey, this is there. Maybe now the super awesome artist wants to mess with the way the light goes around this one tree for a particular scene or something like that. But they got 90% of the way there by saying, hey, I need a forest that's kind of like this and having tools that help get there. And we're going to have to do that um, across all types of, of, of content capabilities. It's not just about movies. It's not just about games. It's in every one of these elements because otherwise the metaverse is going to be really boring and really, really empty. Um, you know, we, we, we have this idea that we talk about um, that we need to make it uh, 10 to the third uh, better, 10 times cheaper, 10 times faster, 10 times easier, or there will not be enough people or enough time to build anything interesting um, in this sort of, you know, future of the, of the internet. Um, so that's one particular area that I think is really key. And then, you know, I'll talk a little bit, maybe a little bit more on the interrupt, but I'll pause for a breath. Yeah, no, <laughs> take a break, take a breath. Uh, I think that's a fantastic answer. And for those that don't know, Unity is a company that, you know, in its history made some small acquisitions, <laughs> tens of millions a year. And then all of a sudden we get this billion plus acquisition of Weta. I, if I'm not mistaken, it's formally the, it started as the visual effects from Peter Jackson's uh, production studio. So like Lord of the Rings, if, if you're not familiar, and then, you know, it's evolved and become, you know, really big in the space since then, kind of like similar to Industrial Light and Magic, which is owned by Disney. You know, they're all very good VFX studios. And and so it's really exciting that Unity is able to bring these tools in-house. And I'm, I'm excited to see how you, how you take that and make that open and accessible to so many more people because, you know, democratizing the ability to create 3D content is one of the most powerful concepts of the metaverse, in my view. Uh, totally um, agree. Yeah. And, and by the way, check out the latest Avatar 2 trailer. It looks awesome. <laughs> so I like to joke, made with Unity. Um, uh, but, you know, those tools, uh, you know, being able to sort of bring those tools, uh, you know, th by the way, just going to that dem democratization point, you know, you talk about uh, tools that Peter Jackson can use or James Cameron can use, but um, even in film, because it's part of what I think is going to be amazing about the metaverse. It's not all going to be interactive. Some will be interactive. Some of it won't be, but it'll also be democratized at levels that it's we've never seen before. I, I this, uh, there's this group. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them on the internet. Um, they're called the Critics Who Rule, and they're a movie-making group uh, out of Nigeria, and they were... Uh, I don't know, they're probably 13 or 14 years old when they started uh, with their dad's iPhone and a green sheet uh, that they hung up and started doing their first movies. And, you know, now Netflix talks to them and all of this kind of stuff. But when you think about, like, how do you, like, make it so that it's not just James Cameron and Peter Jackson and, you know, but that it's um, people around the world, just like we saw with Unity and games. And how do you make it so that they can do those in games in, you know, movies in metaverse experiences, whatever those mean, like that to me is what's really exciting. I think that's also a nice segue, you know, talking about the films, because that's that's one industry that's really adopting real time 3D. We've seen, you know, Disney do it both with Unreal and Unity. You mentioned Avatar as well. Um, 
Fox slash Disney now, but, um, you know, it, this, 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 you know, you mentioned the S1 for Unity. This was a big part of the IPO pitch for Unity was diversifying beyond gaming and particularly industrial. I mean, I think entertainment like like film was kind of already happening and it was easy to see that. And industrial was kind of like the the, the greenfield opportunity for real time 3D for in a lot of cases. And the last few quarters, I know you guys have announced new, uh, you know, new deals in that space, new partnerships, Hyundai and Mercedes, for example, on the on the automotive vertical side, it seems like that's really clicking and that's driving a lot of growth right now for create. So maybe you could just break down why now, why it's clicking so well right now. Cause it's, it's been there for, for a while. Right. So it's like, so why now all of a sudden, and, and, you know, is this, is this because people saw the hype cycle of, Oh, metaverse, we need a real time 3d strategy, or is there more to it than just people, you know, jumping on the bandwagon? Uh, it's definitely not bandwagon. Uh, I think it actually comes back to the, what I said at the top, which is, um, you know, the capability to use real-time 3D to um, build experiences. Like, even if your goal is just driving efficiency or safety or quality or whatever, might not have anything to do with like a word like metaverse, is extraordinarily powerful. Um, I do think actually that this is one of my other answers that I give people when they say, what's the, the, the metaverse is not, I say, it's not the future because it's actually happening today. And a lot of the people that are living and working in the metaverse come from these spaces. Um, one of my favorite examples, I'll give you two examples from stuff that um, at Unity, there's obviously many, many more, but uh, we have this uh, capability called uh, Visual Live. And what Visual Live does is it lets the people in construction um, visualize the information around a building uh, on site uh, at any level of uh, completion. And so, uh, you know, you can stick it on a, a HoloLens, your HoloLens, and you can do it. You can pull up your iPad and do it, whatever. There's lots of ways that you can interact with it. But if you think about what's going on, it's they, they basically are they're in the real world, but they can dial this time dial. <laughs> So they can kind of see where the building is going to be at any stage, any stage of the BIM data. So they can see that the BIM data, building information uh, data, technical term, but um, uh, they can see that the HVAC is going to be is is misplaced relative to the designs or, um, you know, here's where, you know, the electrical systems are going to be. And in doing that, it, they, uh, it makes construction safer. It it, it lowers the amount of rework, it creates um, efficiency, it drives design intent because people can look at it and say, oh yeah, that's actually what I wanted. All of these things that are like just way, way better. So they're doing it because it saves money <laughs> and they are doing it because it makes it safer, but they're also living in the metaverse. One of my other favorite examples of a made with Unity kind of startup is this company called Proximi. And Proximi was founded by a surgeon which is essentially this idea to allow doctors to scrub in um, to a surgery at distance. Uh, and so, um, you know, it actually ended up that was really quite important in um, COVID as an example. It's important for a whole bunch of reasons, but you could see it when things like COVID hit, uh, when there's disruption, like say the war in Ukraine, things like that, because there's things that need, there's a surgery that needs to happen urgently and the expert in that field can't get there. And so by using AR, um, it allows like a surgeon to sort of be there and help guide and teach and, and sort of be a part of the surgery right there. Like that's the metaverse. Like that's like I'm dialing my, myself to a different location and intera interacting with other people. Um, you know, that happens all the time. Like the last uh, uh, 
Audi e-tron was designed using a lot of Unity tools where the first time they never did a physical model, the first time they had people from multiple design centers working on it, they even laid out the overall manufacturing line by simulating it inside of Unity before they actually went out and built it. And so it's those, the, it's definitely not the, I mean, there's plenty of things that you might say is the hype cycle, um, but regardless of any of those things, real-time 3D, um, you know, drives like extraordinary like value um, for workers, businesses, you know, new ideas, whatever those things are. Those are really cool examples. And I'm really glad you use that because a lot of this stuff can be really abstract for a lot of listeners, people that aren't as familiar. And so, you know, giving real life examples of how the metaverse is already working today, I think is extremely valuable for, for listeners. So, yeah. So thank you there. And, and, you know, just kind of, you know, tying it back a little bit and we were talking about Weta before we were talking about that acquisition, you know, I'm going to get a little more financial. So those of you that aren't like, you know, stock people like me, you know, this might be a little, little too in the weeds, but you know, got to ask the question. Oh no. Am I losing you? I think my computer just bugged out for a second, but I'm back. So yeah, you, you slowed down there for a second. So I wasn't sure if it's my internet or yours, you never know. Who knows? So I'm back. Okay. So I'm just going to rewind a sec. Okay. So, you know, just diving a little bit into the financials of Unity, it's going to be a little more for the stock focused people, the markets focused people, people focus really on Unity as a company. Um, you know, maybe if you're not so much industry, but Unity has been very acquisitive. I mentioned that before in, ter- in their history on the create side, but also on the operate side, but we're talking create today. It was small deals, small deals, a little bit bigger deals. And then Weta, which was a, a big, big deal. You guys raised equity and debt for that. And as you think about, you know, your strategy with create, obviously, you know, I think, I think it was John called out on the fourth quarter call as well, you know, under your tutelage, since you took over create the R and D efficiency has really stepped up a lot. Um, but alongside that, you still are active acquirers as a company. So just your thoughts around what you're doing, uh, in terms of making that R and D more efficient, why that's, ha- why that's working so well. And then your thoughts on, you know, potentially more M and a things you'd like to bring in to, to accentuate the business that you're not doing it organically yourself. Yeah. Uh, by the way, always more to do. And I think, uh, the, the, the key thing is we have an extraordinary team. Like it's, uh, you know, unity is a, um, was built by technologists, by extraordinary engineers, and they've been building extraordinary things for a very long period of time. You know, I think the, one of the things that we've been focusing on is making sure that we really get people focused on the biggest problems that we see out in front of us. Um, you know, the digital twin stuff like is, is a great example where it's such a big space and it's built heavily on top of the things that make Unity really powerful, run across every platform, you know, um, be able to sort of get all the way to end user devices wherever they are, make it easy to do 3D. But then there's a set of services that are very unique and different that we need to both build that are specific to those, um, while also still continuing to do all of the amazing work to make sure that we're delivering for game creators, which have their own you know specific cases. So um, in the how do we set ourselves up? We set ourselves up to make sure that someone's really thinking hard about how to make art ten to the ten to the third better, or how to really drive digital twins or how to just really stay focused on the core of what unity is um so that you don't spread it out across everyone because that you know at the size we are now that starts to just not work especially as big as these opportunities are when i think of like how do we and we just keep building as much as we can build as 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 fast as we can um when you think about then what would you 
buy or add to. For me, the the thesis has to start with you see something really, really long term that you want to make sure that you can, you know, um, manage the evolution around that. And so that's when I talked about the 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 you know Weta tools and you know the work that we're doing there. Like they're amazing today, but this idea of what does it mean to be able to create a pipeline which allows people to create across real-time and non-real-time use cases using procedural generation over the next decade uh, was a reason you'd say, yeah, this is great for the stuff that's today and we want to invest in it today, but we also know where we're going to go you know, long-term. Another one that um, was highly related to that was what we did with um, in buying uh, a company like Parsec. Uh, because for us, Parsec was how are creatives going to work together now and in 10 years. And the one thing that seemed clear to us is that they're going to be more distributed. They're going to have more need for extremely, you know, um, high performance capability to access and then be able to work together in interesting ways, even if they've never met, if they're in different countries, if they are nowhere near what the hardware is. And so we knew that that was not like, hey, yeah, this is a short-term thing. This is a long-term way that we need to think about how you actually democratize um, creation. And that's the same way that we will continue to look at these. So like if it's something where it's like, yeah, this is a, a value add where it might not even be the most integrated thing on day one, but it presents the, the, the sort of core capability for us to evolve. Like, how do you actually build these tools in a rich way? Um, that's how we tend to think about it. I think that's an awesome answer. And it really kind of, you know, because you talked about Parsec, which was on the smaller side, you talked about, you know, WIDA on the large side, I think, I think it ties it all together. And you know, Parsec by the way, is our largest acquisition ever. Before. That's true. But, you know, relative to WIDA, everything is small, right? <laughs> um, but since we're tying it all together and you alluded to it in the beginning, you know, I think for Yon and I, one of the most important things with the metaverse that's table stakes is interoperability. And interoperability can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, depending on, you know, which part of the tech stack, for example, you're talking about, right? It can be hardware interoperability if you're building servers. It can be, um, you know, on the consumer layer, it can be, uh, cosmetic items and being making those interoperable. But from the real-time 3D perspective, from the Unity perspective, how do you think about interoperability in the metaverse, I guess, like strategically and at a high level? And then technically, how does that actually manifest itself in terms of the Unity engine? Yeah, I, I think the uh, uh, the first is I'd almost just think of it as this principle level. Uh, you know, do things that drive more interoperability. What does interoperability mean? Who cares? Do more that drives more of that. Because it's almost like across any axis that you want to think about it, it's really important. So you could start technically. And, you know, there's a lot of energy, which I strongly agree with around things like USD and, you know, common formats that allow workflows um, to be able to connect with each other in, in the right ways. That's critically important. Um, I don't believe that there's going to be one tech stack that's the only way anyone does any work. And uh, especially as you think about democratization, especially as you think about the scale that we're talking about, being able to move data across and sort of be able to interpret that data and evolve like the way those formats work is is really important. But interoperability goes much, much further than that. Um, and uh, the, and the, one of the most interesting points is like you have to think about interoperability when places on the edge, you know, point A and point B might never have known that they were even going to be considered interoperable with one another. Um, you know, a good example, a, a, a tactical example, I guess, that I talked about earlier with like Visual Live, 
lots of people building their CAD drawings of the buildings. I don't, you know, weren't necessarily thinking, and therefore someone will be able to walk around in real time, a virtual reconstruction of this. Um, and by the way, you could turn the thing into a game if you wanted, right? Like, I mean, that's, they, they were just thinking in their own world of how they drive value here. And then there's someone else that's sitting there saying, hey, there's a way to use this data that was created over here to go create something that's different. And to me, that actually starts to get towards almost the higher level concept, which is um, one of the best ways that you democratize things is to create a huge like world of remixing, like where people um, are able to sort of imagine things and build off of the things that they, in you know, with proper attribution you know, uh, and all of those sorts of elements, but be able to work from it. And I was talking with the CEO of Pixar Hub um, recently, and I don't know if you know Pixar, they're a 2D tool. They're very large. They have like 150 million, you know, monthly users or something like that. So very, very democratized. And he had this extraordinary point that like something like a huge majority of their new users come from editing something that someone else created first. And, um, you know, one time, you know, one reason that I always think about, like, like, I, I think if you really want to think about what's the future of the metaverse, you have to think about the TikTok of the metaverse. And I don't mean what's TikTok like in the metaverse. I mean, what is it going to be like when there's like a billion people building off of each other's ideas in their own thing? and sort of building value inside of that. And they're gonna to wanna to pull content, they're gonna to wanna to pull data, they're gonna to wanna to sort of invent some stuff that, that, that's their own. And the more those, those, those sort of, that world starts to exist, that's when you're gonna see like this, like exponential increase in like um, things none of us have thought about. Like every time someone says, so like, you know, a good example is like, you know, uh, people talk about like, um, hey, your avatar could wear clothes, you know, between different experiences. I think that's cool. I think it likely will happen. Uh, by the way, back in 2008, we were kind of doing this on Xbox with avatars and you could go get, earn things in one game and play them in Kingdom for Tieflings in another. And it's very cool. Um, but the real magic that's going to come from these tools is in the head of some, you know, seven-year-old that's sitting in, uh, you know, somewhere in the world right now, that's going to come up with something that that blows us all away. And that starts with like a world where it's easy to pull on each other's ideas, both at a technical level and a content level and an expression level. Uh, and, you know, that's why I'm like, whatever that means, we need to push more of it. We need to just keep working on those things. I think that's extremely powerful. And, you know, we spoke with Craig Donato from Roblox, the chief business officer there on season one. And a lot of what you're saying there is resonating from what he said about these dual social viral loops. You have the content and you have the user base. And, you know, if we can get more of the ability to produce content more easily and share it and replicate it and build these basically data warehouses of stuff that people can iterate on top of, we're going to get to a point where these social loops start to accelerate and accelerate. And that's really how we take the metaverse from I mean, if you look at Roblox as a leader in the space in terms of the consumer layer with 50 million odd daily active users, it's a large amount, but you compare that to the TikToks and the Facebooks of the world with billion plus daily active users, we're not even in the same stratosphere yet. And so I think that if we can really unlock that and get that going, that's how we really get to that next level. And that's what's really exciting for me, you know, as we think about these platforms scaling and scaling further. Yeah. And I also think it, it just, you know, you can see the examples that already exist today in a kind of current internet, like 2D world. Like, just, um, think of like, um, 
kind of JPEG memes. Um, you know, like if I, you know, the, the, the Buscemi, you know, uh, how are you doing, uh, <laughs> kids, uh, or, you know, the, the guy with his arm around one girl looking back at another girl, you know, the picture just for me sort of describing it, like value has been embedded in those because they get shared, you know, so, you know, broadly and like, they almost become like this instantaneous, like reaction thing for a particular moment. Well, real-time 3D versions of that will exist as well. Uh, and they'll be shared away, they'll be shared around in the same way, like, but almost more like now you're in this moment that you can sort of put through and like, it'll embed itself across, um, you know, popular culture in, you know, workflows at work at, you know, at play and all of those sorts of things. And that's why, that's why the one thing I can tell you is it's not one thing or one place, because it's going to be powered by a billion people that are going to use it in your, you know, in ways where you're like, wow, I never, I, I, there's this very uh, the story i like to tell about the apple uh, app store early days you know right when they launched it there was the first apps you know the fart app here's how to make a lightsaber that kind of stuff all the things that you would have probably come up with like we just wrote them down but there was this uh company they still exist called smule they came out with a app called uh, ocarina which turned your iphone into a flute uh, you know, you picked it up, you blew into the microphone and you, you, put, you put your fingers on the frets. And the one thing I always thought about when I saw that is I was like, no one at Apple thought they had made the like woodwind API. Um, and no other developer was thinking in that world. And like what happened um, every time we've seen that now, you know, for the last 20 years, as we've all explored mobile and virtual and all that kind of stuff is like everybody's head got a little bigger and said, oh, I see. And then they built and then everybody and someone else said, oh, I see. And then they built. And that's, to me, what's really powerful about kind of mixing these, like when you get to hundreds of millions or billions of creators that have access to really highly democratized tools, that's when the magic happens. That's an awesome, awesome way to wrap up. You know, everyone's like, well, what's going to be the Instagram of the metaverse? And it's like, well, it probably doesn't exist yet. Because if you thought that Instagram was going to exist totally. when we created the iPhone, you would should be worth billions of dollars right now because you should have made billions of dollars from that. And so the killer app for the metaverse probably, you know, if, if that's going to be a thing, probably doesn't exist yet. And so it's really exciting as we open up the tools exactly as you said to see what people can do with it. And that's always how we get innovation and that's how we always progress technology. And so you know, with that, I'm going to thank you, Mark, for, for joining us. This has been a fantastic conversation on all things Unity Create. Um, stay tuned for more content from, from Yon and I on Into the Metaverse. Awesome. Thank